morning. Uh, we've got a, several people that are not here this morning that I want. To, I would like for you to keep in prayer. Uh, Dale and Beverly Foster had gone to Arkansas uh, to uh, grandson's graduation up there. So they'll be headed back today uh, from Arkansas. I don't know what kind of weather they're going to hit, but uh, looking uh, at the map, it looks like it's going to get pretty bad. And uh, so y'all keep them in prayer and that they'll have a safe trip back. And uh, a, a little uh, Gracie, uh, lying there uh, she has come down she's had a problem with asthma and I know that Linda called and put her on the prayer chain and this morning find, find out she's doing so much better so God is good all the time and like I say all the time God is good he is uh, working on little Gracie and getting her back in shape and uh, so anyway Y'all just keep grace in prayer, and uh, we got a number of people. Just keep the church in prayer. We've got several people still out uh, that, that need our prayer, and uh, so anyway, y'all, y'all just keep the church in prayer, and please keep me in prayer because I just want to do what God wants me to do, and sometimes it gets a little kind of. Tough, I mean, you think you're doing what God wants to do, then, then here come old Satan in there saying, no, nah, that's not what he wants you to do. You don't need to do that. You know, the, the, the message I'm going to preach this morning, I had a problem with it. Because it's God's Word, and Satan don't want that coming out. And, you know, he, they, he tries to convince you that, oh, no, you don't need to preach that. They don't want to hear that kind of stuff. But... Uh, I'm going to preach it anyway. And, uh, but uh, the title of my message this morning is The Wrath That Is To Come. Now we all know that God has told us that there will be a time that when the wrath, His wrath will fall upon this earth. He has warned us. He has given us warnings. He's still warning us. But you know, a lot of people are not paying attention to God's warnings. It's just like, oh, I've heard this all my life. I've never seen nothing yet. But do you know that's exactly what the Bible says that they'll say? It says, I've heard this from generation to generation. I've heard it and I've heard it. I've never seen it yet. I just don't believe it. Well, to start out with, it's God's timing. God is, he is not slack in what he's going to do. He has given us time. He's given us time to repent. He's given us time to accept His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. He's given us time to avoid this wrath that is going to come upon the world. And many people just shrug it off like, oh, well, I've heard it and I've heard it. But what are they going to do when it happens? Why wasn't I told? They've been told and they've been told and they've been told. They're just not paying any attention. It goes in one ear and out the other ear. But one day, when they stand before that judgment seat of God, they're going to say to themselves, Why did I not believe? Why did I not listen? And they're not going to, and you know, the whole thing about it, I'll show it to you in just a minute. But even when the tribulation and the wrath of God is falling, men 
will still have that opportunity to ask God to forgive them. And he would if they were to accept his son. But you know, the things that are going to happen, it's even going to harden men's heart harder. And they will not accept God. They're going to be cursing God for what they're going through when they should be repenting. But they're cursing God because of the pain, the suffering, and the things that they're going through. And uh, I just, I, I, I hope we can get this into our heads that God, if God has told you something, it's going to happen. He said, God is not a God that can lie. God is not going to tell you a lie. If God tells you something's going to happen, if God has made you a promise, you can count on that promise taking place. You know, I think that's one reason that I loved it when I was able to go to the hospitals. I could sit there and talk with those people and say, you know what, God? God has promised. God has said. And you'd see their eyes light up. You'd see a change in their face, their expressions, because they had faith. And I'd seen so many healings and so many things take place in that hospital that it just, I mean, I enjoyed going. I spent a lot of time in the hospital, spent a lot of hours. But it was well worth it. Just from some of the people, the things that happened, I'd get phone calls at the house. Bill, thank you for seeing my family. Thank you for being there. I said, you don't know what God did in their life. There's people in here that can tell you about how God has touched their loved ones, what God has done, how God has changed lives. God is a loving God. God loves each and every one of us. But yet we want to reject that love and we want to get back into the world and do the things that the world is doing. There's so many people out there right now in the world that are not hearing God's word, but they're just living for the word. For the, excuse me, for the world. And, uh, but there is a day of wrath and judgment coming, and it's going to come upon the whole world. Everybody thinks it's all just going to happen right in the Middle East. No. It is on the whole world. This world is going to be doomed. One day this world will not even be here. It'll be gone. The Bible refers to this coming of the wrath as the day of the Lord. Now, I want to say something. The day of the Lord is not just a single day. Many times, they, oh, a day, you just one day? No, that is, that is the day it starts. The day of the Lord. It starts from the beginning of the tribulation to the end of the judgment. That is called the day of the Lord. That's when, that's when God has poured out His wrath on an ungodly world that He has warned. He's told them how much He loved us. He has shown us how much He loved us through His Son, through the suffering and the death of His Son. That's why Jesus came. was to save the world, not to condemn it. It tells us that in John 3.17. For Jesus came into, into the world not to condemn the world, but to save it. Save it how? Through His death on that cross through his shed blood.
When he shed his blood and we accepted that shed blood, our sins were forgiven. The Bible tells us, for without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. So the blood had to be shed. Even back in the Old Testament, when they would kill, a, uh, say, a lamb, they had to shed the blood. And it's kind of like when we accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior through his shed blood, whenever that lamb was killed, the, the, the uh, man of the house or the house over the household, he would come. He would bring that lamb. He would lay his hand on that lamb's head. When that priest would cut that lamb's throat and shed that blood, it's like the man and his family with sins, when he put his hands on that lamb's head, their sins were being transferred to that lamb. And when that lamb died, their sins died with him. When Jesus died and we accepted him, our sins died with Jesus. We were forgiven. Many people laugh, scorn, make fun of what Jesus did on that cross. Can you imagine what God must have felt? People laughing at his son for doing what he did, for suffering like he suffered. He could have called 10,000 angels. He didn't have to be on that cross. But he stayed on that cross because of his love for you, his love for me. He didn't come off that cross. He could have come off of the cross. But he had a purpose, and that purpose was us. To save us from our sins, to save us from this wrath that we're going to talk about that is to come. We do not have to go through the wrath. We don't have to go through it. God has made a way that we bypass the tribulation. He has made the way that we bypass all that wrath. And that's through His Son, Jesus Christ. When we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, things change in your life. Jesus removes our sins and puts them on Himself. He dies. Our sins die with Him. He, then He's resurrected. He was resurrected to show that we also one day, when we die, we shall be resurrected just like Jesus was. He wanted to prove it to us. You know, it's hard to believe that a person dies and comes back to life. It said he was the first fruits. What, is, what do you mean the first fruits? Jesus was the first one to die and be raised again and not have to die again. Every, did y'all notice every time that Jesus raised somebody from the dead, they had, to, they, had, they had to die again? Jesus didn't. That's us now. It says that when we die, we have eternal life. We live. Even though this body dies, the spirit goes to be with Christ. Our spirit, the body stays here for right now, but the spirit of the soul goes to be with Jesus Christ. We're in heaven. When we accept Jesus Christ and we're, we're in this human body and we're walking up here on this earth, when it's time, there's going to be a thing that's going to be happening. It's going to be called the rapture. Many people, well, I don't see rapture in the Bible. No, it's not in the Bible. But rapture means to be caught away, the catching up. That's what, that's what Jesus is going to say. So we shall be caught up in the clouds to be with him forever. He catches us up. Those that are dead in the, in the grave, their spirits have already gone to be with Jesus. That's it. When he comes back, those spirits come back with him. And when the dead rise from the grave, the spirits that came back with Jesus will go back and to be in that body 
that came up out of the grave. But we who are still alive, we shall be changed, it said, in the moment. In the twinkling of an eye, we're caught up. We're caught up in the clouds of Jesus. And on our way to heaven, something happens. We get what they call a glorified body. We're changed on the way to heaven. We get a body just like Christ. It says, for we shall be like him. We get a glorified body. A body that will never die, will never get sick. You know, they say heaven is a wonderful place. Have you ever heard about it? It said there's no more tears, no more sorrow, no more crying, no more sickness, no more death. It's a perfect place. And it should be. Because the perfect God is in charge of everything. Heaven is going to be a glorious place. And you know, it's, it's so hard to even try to talk about heaven or describe heaven. We don't have anything here on this earth to compare it with. You know, the Bible says, For eye has not seen, ear has not heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man what God's got in store for those who love him. Even when Paul went to heaven, he come back. He could not talk about it. I don't think there's anything here that he could even associate with heaven. Everything was so different. Everything here was dull and dead and dying, and heaven was so alive and so beautiful. One day, if you have Jesus Christ living on this inside of you, you're going to see what heaven looks like. You're going to see how heaven is. You're going to see how beautiful heaven is. And you're going to come up there and the first thing that when you come into heaven, you're going to see your Savior face to face. The one who saved you by His grace. That's who you're going to see. Those arms are going to be open wide inviting you in. Oh man, I tell you what, people dread death. And when I read about death, I say, that's not death, that's life. That's life. We're actually dead right here. But in heaven, we've got so much life. It is going to, it's going to change. But the thing about it is, you've got to get to heaven. You've got to get to heaven to enjoy all of this. Uh, you know, like I said, the, the, the day of the Lord starts at the beginning of the tribulation and goes plumb through until after the white throne judgment. That is called the day of the Lord. And the major part of the day of the Lord is a time known as the tribulation. Uh, and I, I, I wrote it down here. I want, I want to listen to how Jesus describes this tribulation period. He's telling us what the tribulation is going to be like. One day when you're reading your Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 24. Read that whole chapter. And go on into the next chapter, 25. There's so much to read there that Jesus is talking to his disciples about. And about the tribulation. What to look for. What's going to take place. What's going to happen. This is what Jesus, and this is how he describes the tribulation period. And it's Matthew 24 and the first two I'm going to read is Matthew 24, 6 through 8. And it says, And you will hear, now we, we're hearing of this constant, you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. 
That's on the news every day, isn't it? For nation will rise against nation. Look at Israel right now over there, what they're going through. They live in that. It's constant. But one day, it won't be. If a nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines, be starvation, pestilence, diseases everywhere. Look what we got going on right now. And earthquakes. There for a while, there were so many earthquakes. Every time you turn on the road, I mean serious earthquakes all over the world. And they're still going on. But you're going to hear about all these, and we're hearing about them now. And see, earthquakes in various places are just all over the world. And then in verse 8 it says, All these are only the beginning of sorrows. This is just the beginning. This is just the starting of them. And in verse 21, (coughs) Excuse me. For there will be a great tribulation, such as not has been since the beginning of the world. We've never seen anything like what is fixing to take place until this time, nor shall it ever be again. We have not seen how bad things are going to be when this tribulation hits. It says, and we'll never see it again. Now listen to what else he says right here. It says, and except those days be shortened, no flesh would have survived. Even during the tribulation, you still got an opportunity to come to Christ. You still got that opportunity. That's love. That's God's love for you. You still got the opportunity to come to Christ even during the tribulation. See, the Bible tells us that this tribulation will be the worst time in the history of the world. The word tribulation means anger, trouble, affliction, The tribulation period will be a great time of trouble and anger. Look how how much anger is in the world right now. All the drive-by shootings, just senseless killings and things going on right now. You cannot turn on your TV, pick up the newspaper, read, and that's what you read about. That's the first thing. When TV comes on the news, all the killings, all the murders, everything taking place right now, right here around us. It's not over on the other side of the world. It's here. So, what will this day of wrath be like? What's it going to be like? Well, Scripture tells us. And that's what we're going to... I'm going to look at Revelation chapter 8. This here, there is three judgment periods. There's the seals... There's the trumpets and there's the bowls. Each one of these series has seven judgments. So there's going to be 21 judgments. There's three judgments. The seals, the, the trumpets, and the bowls. So God's going to pour out 21 judgments upon the earth in about approximately three and a half years. One's about time when one ends, another one starts. It's like you don't never get a break. It's constant all through it. It says here in Revelation 8.1, and this is out of the seals, it says, 
And when Jesus had opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about the space of a half an hour. There was not a sound made in heaven. Nothing. It's like if you would have dropped a pin, it would sound like an atom bomb going off. That's how, that's how quiet heaven is going to be. You know, well, what's going on? How come it's going to be so quiet? What's that period of time in there that, that, that there's a silence? <coughs> All those in heaven know the judgment period is about to take place. When the seventh seal is opened, or when the seventh seal is broken, the scroll is unrolled, it's read off of it. Even the saints in heaven and the angels become silent. There is no words, no speaking, no nothing. It is a total silence in heaven. It said that the angels become silent in knowing of the destruction that they are about to witness. They've never witnessed. But they know what's going to happen. They're silent. Because the destruction is going to be so great. And they're sitting there just, oh, what? God, but all the people. God says, they've had their chance. They still have a chance. It's up to them. Like I said, you can be saved during the tribulation. You can be saved. It's going to be harder, but you can be saved. The half hour of silence is the calm before the storm. This is just the beginning (coughs) of the tribulation. It's just starting. It is the silence of what God is about to cause to happen on earth. They said, I don't know how, how anything is going to survive what God is fixing to do. The angels, all those in heaven, I mean, they're just, they're anticipating. They're not talking. They're not speaking. They're just anticipating how terrible and how bad things are going to be when this tribulation happens, when it starts. That half hour, excuse me, that half hour, like I said, is the calm before the storm. They usually say, you know, when it just gets real calm, right before a storm, the wind's not blowing, nothing going on, but when the storm hits, all hell breaks loose. That's what's going to happen. At this moment, even the angels are, that, that, are, that usually are constantly worshiping God, they will become silent. You know, there's angels up there flying around, constantly, holy, 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 holy is our God. Holy, holy. They never quit. They're even silent. Anticipating what is going to take place, what's going to happen. But, I told you a while ago, there's a way to escape this. In the book of Revelations, I didn't tell David this. I wrote, David, Revelations chapter 3, verse 10. We're given a word. This here is Jesus talking to the early churches, to the seven churches at the beginning of Revelations. He's telling them something. He is telling them, he said, because you have kept the word of my patience, that you have not betrayed me, 
you have had your patience, you have kept my word. He said, I will also keep you from the hour of temptation or the hour of tribulation. Which shall come upon all the world, the world to try them that dwell upon the earth. He says, you've been, you've been loyal to me. You've received my son. You've honored my son. You've honored me. You've been patient with everything going on. And through all this and your love for my son and receiving him, I will keep you from that hour of temptation, that hour of tribulation. He's telling us, I, I'm, I'm going to keep you out of it because you have accepted my son Jesus Christ. You have believed upon him and you are serving him. Therefore, you will bypass the tribulation. You will be taken out in the rapture. You will not go through the tribulation. So we have a choice right now. You can buy, you make up your mind to bypass the tribulation or you can just make up your mind to go through it. It's up to you. God's given you a choice. What are you going to do? Then along with the scroll judgments, there will also be, what I said a while ago, trumpet judgments. Bowls of wrath judgments. Here in Revelations chapter 8, Verses 7 through 9, we're going to look at something's going to happen when the, when the angel sounds the trumpet. There's going to be seven angels, and each one's going to have a trumpet. <clears throat> Every time God points to that angel, that angel's going to sound that trumpet, and a disaster is going to take place. And I didn't go through everything. I just picked out certain things that I'd, I'd like for you to hear. It says here in Revelations chapter 8, Verse 7 through 9. This is the trumpet. It said, the first angel, the first angel, the very first one starting out. It said, the first angel sounded, or he blew his trumpet. And there followed, after he blew the trumpet, what happened? There followed hail mingled with fire, with blood, and they were cast upon the earth. Now they were talking about, they said that some of the hailstones that fell weighed up to 100 pounds. Can you imagine the damage that a 100 pound hailstone would do? You see what a baseball size hailstone does here right now. One weigh 100 pounds or better. It's going to fall from heaven. And a third part of the trees, all the trees were burn up. And all the green, notice, all the green grass, all the grass was burn up. What is your livestock and so forth going to eat? Talk about famines and so forth going on. And the second angel sounded his trumpet, and it was, it was as were a great mountain burning with fire cast into the sea. Now, well, a mountain falling into the sea, what? I mean, what's that got anything to do? Show you. And the third part of the sea became blood. Just think about the whales and everything in there that died that bled. All the fish... 
And the third part of the creatures which were in the sea that had life died. And the third part of the ships were destroyed. Those ships out in the sea were destroyed. Well, don't they float? Yeah. But those mountains and meteorites and everything fall into the sea cause some of the biggest tsunamis, waves that, that just capsized even those big ships. Can you imagine a mountain falling into the sea? What kind of a wake that is going to make? What is it going to do? But it's just mountain after mountain after mountain after mountain. Meteorites hitting the ocean, coming into the ocean. It's just going to, it's, it's just going to be such a turmoil that the waves and the wakes are going to be so strong and so tremendous and so big they were just over the ships. You see just some of these little hurricanes that and many of the ships can't survive those. God is telling you, it's going to be serious. Wake up. Listen to what I'm telling you. It'll seem like this whole world is ending. And it is. It is. And now I want you to notice something else. Notice what else is going to happen. Here in Revelation 15.1, this is one of the bold judgments. The bowl judgments, you know, it's just like a big bowl. That angel sitting there holding this giant bowl. We don't even know how big angels are. But as they, God points at them, they take their bowl, empty it out. And out of that bowl comes the judgments. Like I said, each, each, the, the seals have seven events, the trumpets have seven judgments, and the bowls have seven judgments. This here is just one of them. It said, And I saw another sign in heaven, great and marvelous, seven angels having the last seven plagues. These were called plagues that were being poured out on the earth. Think about what happened over in Egypt as, as God sent out the plagues on Pharaoh because he wouldn't listen to them. But Pharaoh would not listen to God. He wouldn't let his people go. wouldn't let Moses' people, his people, Look at all the plagues. That's kind of what these bowls represent. Is the plagues of God being poured out upon the earth. The Bible says it will be a period filled with the wrath of God. God is angry. God has given people chance upon chance to repent and to come to Him and His Son. They laughed, they scorned, they mocked, they made fun of Jesus. They made fun of him on the cross. They made fun of what he did. God is angry. Can you imagine how many years has passed in there that the anger of God is built up? Now God can forgive. But when you don't ask for it, you don't want it, you don't care, it gets serious. Why will God be so full of wrath? He just really said something. But here, look what Paul says. In Romans 8, excuse me, Romans 1, 18 through 20. Paul says, this is why God's angry. This is what's going on. <clears throat> it says, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness all unrighteousness of men. 
who hold the truth in unrighteousness. They know the truth of God. Even though they don't see him, they hadn't served him, they look around them, you can see God everywhere you look. You get out there and look in nature. You can see God right now. You can see God all over this world and what he does. I can look here at James. I can see God there. I see a man sitting there that God produced, made. He's got eyes, ears, nose, mouth. He's got flesh. He's serving God. God made him to serve him. Now James is serving God. James is going to be in heaven. He's going to bypass the wrath. Darlene, she's going to bypass. Probably everybody in here, I'm hoping, will bypass the wrath. That's up to you, though. You have to know how to bypass it. And it's easy. I'm going to, at the very end, I'm going to show you. But, that's all, but all, really, the main thing is accepting and believing in Jesus Christ, believing He's the Son of God, that He died on that cross for you, then on that third day He arose. And God will let you enter heaven if you believe that. But you don't believe it right here, you believe it right here. You've got to believe it in your heart. In your heart. Know that you know that you know that Jesus Christ is the Son of God that died for your sins. And we're going to go on here. Verse 19 says, well, let me start saying, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness, all unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. It says, Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them. God has showed us Himself through the, through the nature of just looking around at the things that God has done. How can you not Look around and not see God and what He's done. And not believe there is a supreme being that created you, that created this earth, that created all things, that created the heavens, the galaxies, everything. It said that in Genesis, it says that this earth, it said everything was void, just blackness, nothing. And then God spoke. God spoke and everything came into being. In verse 20 it says, For the invisible things from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal powers and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. They are without an excuse to believe there's not a God. They're looking around. They're seeing God all over. But yet, they don't want to confess there's a God. And they're seeing Him everywhere they look. And God knows this. He's put, he's put Himself in man. He's given us... It says He has give, <coughs> given us not a amount of faith, but the amount a amount could be any amount. The amount is a certain amount that God give us to believe. Every person was given the amount. Are we using it? Are we just kind of pushing it to the side 
and not even thinking about God or not maybe not wanting to believe. You know, now the time for tribulation has come for God to deal with those who have willfully and knowingly rejected His love and His Son, Jesus Christ. Willingly, knowingly rejected Him. How patient are you when somebody's rejected? You trying to do something for them, trying to help them, trying to be a friend, trying to be special to them, and they just push you to the side. It's kind of what man has done to God. He's done everything in the world to show them Jesus, to show them his love, to show them eternal life, to show them everything that he's got to offer them. And they're just pushing it aside. Not paying a bit of attention to God. And most folks say, I don't want nothing to do with God. I don't want God in my life. God says, hey, I gave you a free will. You don't want me in your life? I will honor that. But I'm going to cast you into hell. He will honor what you want. If you don't want to serve him, you don't want to believe in him, you say, okay, I'll honor that. But what's going to happen when you stand before God before the great white throne judgment? I'll tell you what's going to happen. He's going to look at you. and He's going to point at you. He's going to say, depart from me, you worker of iniquity, for I never knew you. You had the opportunity to come to me to receive me. You had the opportunity for eternal life, and you refused it. And people ask me one time, why would a loving God send you to hell? I said, a loving God didn't send you to hell. You sent yourself. You had every chance to receive God and have eternal life in heaven. And you rejected it. I said, God give us a free will. And he will honor that free will. If you don't want him in your life, he says, hey, that's fine. I won't be in your life. And then so many people, well, God's never done nothing for me. I said, I've asked well, do you serve God? Do you believe it? Well, no. I said, that's why. Many people want to blame God for what they're going through, but yet they don't believe in God, they don't want nothing to do with God, and they don't want God in their life, but then they want to blame Him if something's going wrong in their life. You're bringing it on yourself. God wants to bless you. He wants to be there with you. You know, what will these bowls of wrath contain? What's going to be in those bowls? What's going to be in them? Scripture tells us they will contain such things as the oceans being turned into blood, which we read a while ago, stars and meteors falling from the sky, like I said a while ago, falling into the earth, causing severe damage, big earthquakes, waves out on the ocean that's going to sink ships. Scripture also tells us there will be the releasing, now listen to this, there will be the releasing of demons that will be as thick as smoke who will have the power to sting men like scorpions and cause them to suffer greatly. Do you know they're going to suffer greatly? They're going to want to die, but they can't. They can't. They're going to suffer. And then the Bible also tells us that the people that have not received the mark of the beast will not be stung by these scorpions. 
only the carrier or the receiver of the mark of the beast will go through these scorpions and things. Why? Because you rejected God again. You chose the Antichrist. You chose the false prophet over God when you took that mark. You're going to, you're going to suffer. You're going to pay for it. He's a loving God, but He's also a just God that does what He says He will do. But even in the midst of all God's wrath, like I said, there's still hope for man. You still have a hope. Scripture tells us that God will have evangelists going throughout the world preaching the gospel. You know who this is? It's 144,000 Jewish witnesses. They're going to be going throughout the whole world preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Telling men about Jesus. Trying to get men saved even during the tribulation. It says here in Matthew 24, 14, And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations. Then the end shall come. They say, you're going to get a chance to hear about God. You're going to get a chance to hear. I hope that if this happens during our time here, and it could very easily happen. I mean, for the rapture to take place, nothing has to happen right now. Everything is in place for the rapture right now. Nothing else has to take place. The only thing that has to happen is Jesus has to come back and take his church. That's the only thing that has to happen. During the tribulation, there will be millions of people saved, but there will still be millions of people lost that will still reject the gospel. In Revelation 9.20, it said, And the rest of the men which were not killed by all the plagues repented not of the works of their hands. They still would not repent after sin and going through all that happened. <coughs> and they should not, that they should not worship devils, idols of gold and silver and brass and stone of wood. They were still worshiping idols instead of God. And then he says, which neither can see nor hear nor walk. A rock can't do anything for you. A piece of wood cannot do anything for you. It is a dead, unliving object. And still people worship it. They say, well, what about wearing a cross around your neck? I don't think we wear worship that cross. I think you can look at that cross and just remind you of what Christ did for you. During the tribulations, like I said, millions will be saved and millions will be lost. This is the last chance. This is the last chance. They neither, it said here that these men, they neither repented of murders, nor of their sorceries, witchcrafts and so forth, nor of their fornication, their adultery and everything else, nor of their thefts. They would not repent of anything they did, they just still scorned God. They cursed God because of what they were going through. 
For many of God's judgments will only make men's hearts harder. His judgments made them matter, made their hearts harder, and they wouldn't even consider receiving Jesus or receiving God into their life. The Bible says that, that rather than turning to God and receiving His forgiveness, they cried out for the rocks to fall on them and hide them from His wrath. Why didn't they repent? That's man. There's going to be those people that will never repent. There's going to be those people that God has already turned over to what you call a reprobate mind because He knows they're not going to repent. No matter what, they're not going to repent. But there's a way to be delivered from God's wrath. I told you a while ago I was going to show you something here right at the end. There's still a way to repent and get out from under the tribulation, get out from under God's wrath to serve God. And when the tribulation, before it gets here, you can go into rapture. You can bypass every bit of that. You can be in heaven watching all this stuff going on. Deliverance. I'm going to read John 3.16 through 18. Every one of you know John 3.16. That's probably the most read scripture in the Bible. For God so loved you, for God so loved you that he gave you his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. To perish means to be total, totally and eternally separated from God. You'll never be in God's presence again if you reject him. For I said this a while ago in, in 17, in John 3, 17. It says, For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but the world through him might be saved. That's why he came. He didn't come to condemn us. He came to save us. That's why he came. And he that believes on Jesus Christ <clears throat> is not condemned. What is condemned? He's not judged because you've already been judged at the cross and found not guilty. Condemnation is judgment. But he that believes not, what? Is condemned already. If you don't believe, you are already condemned until you accept Jesus Christ. Condemnation is on you until you accept Jesus Christ. Because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son. That's why he's condemned. He would not believe upon Jesus who suffered and died. All the punishment that he took for us and then we wouldn't believe upon him and we wouldn't receive him. But what do I have to do to be saved? Romans 10, 9, and 10. We should all have this. should know it. Somebody, well, how, how do I get saved? If you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and shall believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For it, with the heart, what did I say a while ago? It's not here, it's here. Here. For with the heart, man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. You mean I have to confess with my mouth out loud? 
that I've accepted Jesus? Well, Jesus said something one time that I kind of take to heart. He said, if you will not confess me before men, I will not confess you before my Father. If you deny me before men, then I will deny you before the Father. If you've really accepted Jesus, you should not be ashamed to tell somebody about Jesus. If he's in your heart, you should just be, oh man, I want to tell somebody what he's done for me. We all should have a witness, a testimony to what, how God came into my life, what he's done for me, and how much I love him, and how that's why I believe in God. You'd be surprised how much you could help somebody. They may be going through some of the things you were going through, and just your witness and your testimony may help them come to Christ. But if you don't tell anybody, how are they going to know? How are they going to know? In finishing up, if the band will come up, in finishing up in John 3.36, if you believe on the Son, if you believe on Jesus Christ, you have everlasting life. But if you do not believe on Jesus, you shall not see life. And the wrath of God shall abide upon you forever. God's wrath will never leave you. While you're burning and suffering in hell, that's God's wrath still on you. We have to make up our minds, what am I going to do? Am I going to believe in Jesus Christ? Am I going to accept him as my Lord and Savior? Am I going to serve him? If you want to go to heaven, yes, that's what you've got to do. You've got to believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ. But oh, I've done so much in my life, how could God ever forgive me? You know who that is? That's Satan. That's Satan telling you this. But God has an answer for that too. Romans 10, 13. For whomsoever, whoever you are, whatever you've done, it don't make any difference. If you will call upon me, I will save you. Call upon me. Believe in your heart. I'll come into your life. I'll come into your heart. And I'll give you eternal life. So you can, you can do all kinds of things in your life. But when you repent and you truly, truly change, God wipes all that out. He forgives your sin. And He never brings it back up to you again. He don't even remember it anymore. It's gone. You're free of all that sin. What is it? For the Son shall set you free. He sets you free of your sins. If you're here today, you say, I think I just need a closer walk with Jesus. I need to get just closer and closer to Him. I don't feel like I'm where I should be with Him. We have an altar right down front that you can come down and kneel and say, Lord, I want more and more of you in my heart. I want to serve you more. Lord, I want to do more for you. Come into my life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And let me serve you the way you want me to. I guarantee you, he'll do it. He'll do it. So if you're here today and you need just a little more of Jesus, or maybe you've never accepted Jesus, he's here today saying, I'm here, I'm ready to touch your life, I'm ready to change your life, I'm ready to give you eternal life. All you got to do is ask me and believe. So if you're here today and you need something, 
If you just need a prayer, I'm going to be down front. I'll be glad to anoint you with oil, just pray with you. If you need more of Jesus, he's here saying, I'm here, I'm here. His arms are stretched out to you right now, saying, I'm here. Come, let me wrap, wrap my arms around you. So if you're here today and you need something, please come down front and receive it.